Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podset, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And, you know, today I'm going to tell you, folks, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for my two co-hosts, Chris and Kurt. Gents, what are you guys thankful for? I'm thankful for my mom's yams. They are... (laughs) Which that sounds, sounds, so that sounds like a euphemism, yeah. dude. Hell yeah, uh, me too, bro. Sweet potatoes yeah. and sweet yeah. potatoes. <laughs> Your mom has a set of yams on her. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, we're off the rails already. Sorry, folks. I'm, uh, I'm thankful for the, uh, gosh, what is it? The 1998 video game Half-Life. Software. <laughs> has that been like I've seen a lot of people posting about it right now is that, is that like getting re-released or something or so it's the 25th anniversary that's uh, that's that's the math that I was doing in my head I was like uh what year is it minus 25 um so they did like a it's it's funny it's like a it's like a d remaster like they did a remaster with like high with like higher polygon graphics at some mm. point Mm-hmm. And what they did basically now is like a D master, I think, where they re-released it with the original models, but with like higher resolution textures, but not with like the the upgraded like PS2 g- graphics. And they mm. also added a bunch of stuff back in that was in the beta. But um, oh. so yes, so it's and it's it's funny because the last the last number of a few years now. Valve has like steadfastly avoided releasing a real game of any kind for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and for but they did manage to re-release a twenty-five-year-old game, so that's something. It is <laughs> hey, it is their know, best game to be fair. So they they they're, they're pulling what is it? They're 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 pulling an Elder Scrolls. Uh, <laughs> honestly, worse than that at this point. <laughs> <laughs> their last two games were like were like a collectible card game and some some other b- bullshit. <laughs> yeah well so anyway uh gents this is uh i mean everyone out there listening this is another beer run except that this one's you know sort of thanksgiving themed mm-hmm. uh as we as we head into that uh that week dedicated to the uh deadly sin of gluttony um that's right we just wanted to we just wanted to get together and, have and a couple the of deadlier beers. sin of colonization <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. yes, actually. Um, what was the the entire the 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 play from Adam's Family Values? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, true facts stated. Yeah, very true. Tell very me, true. tell me what was wrong. <laughs> that that they were doing a Thanksgiving play at a summer camp. <laughs> that is yes. that that is true. That is a bit strange now that you mention it. Yeah. 
I never thought about that before. Well, you know, huh. uh, yeah. his work was puerile and lacked, uh, what was it, <laughs> lacking in the Aristotelian qualities. Yes, it, it was. It, it yeah. really was. I mean, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> it, it was It was proto-squee. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so uh, let, let's let's just talk a little bit about the, I don't know. I, so so has anyone been? Let's see, anyone reading anything good lately? Yes, um, I actually posted about this today, um, dating the, the the pod. But um, so I just finished up reading uh, a critical work called "Aesthetic Deviations: A Critical View of American Shot on Video Horror, 1984 to 1994" by Vincent Alberano, and it was excellent. It's it's a kind of a slim volume, but it really goes through and um, goes through like major works, um, and then like puts it in context of like various other like you know working theories of film. And like how it works within Paris cinema and how it works within a cinema, but also like at, in and of it of itself, like the 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 nature of movies, uh, you know, made by amateurs, shot on you know consumer grade video. Uh, it, it's there's such an otherworldly and yet um, one of the major points that um, Alberano like makes that I I have kind of been thinking about in the back of my head as I've been like watching a lot of these SOV stuff is how much of a time capsule these are because mm -hmm. most of this is just shot in people's living rooms so it's just you just see people's living rooms from the like 1980s and it just <laughs> looks exactly like you know how, how they were and so it's these like tiny little like time you know invert time capsules uh, and then randomly you know somebody's like you know arm will get chopped off or something like that so like it's like <laughs> this like uh, he actually makes a, a good argument that like you know, even though these a lot of these films deal with you know supernatural or, or violence or, or things along those lines, they actually reach a, a certain realism that a lot of like realist type films actually don't because yeah. of this. So it, it's it's just a really fascinating work. I, I, I picked up a a lot of good you know I made a list of a lot of good films that I either haven't heard of or just always been meaning to get around to. So um, I, I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's kind of like a on Amazon as a uh, you know, print on demand type of thing. So um, you could grab it there, but um, it, it, it was just, it's really, if you have even like the slightest bit of like wonder about these kind of, these kind of, um, you know, films, because they are like, they're, they're, they're strange cultural objects because mm -hmm. they're like the work of fans, but they're also, you know, they, they come up with something new. Um, it, it, it's just, there's, there's a, you know, an element of transgression that, that runs through them, um, while also still tr like they, they were, they were successful, it, you just, especially in the eighties, um, during the, you know, the horror boom and the VHS boom. Um, and that it, it's, it's just, it's just a fascinating subject and, and, uh, his book is just tackles it extremely well. Cool. It sounded, it sounded really interesting and I've, I've been, I've been fascinated by, um, shot on video uh, stuff, which, which I mean, would basically be like shot on either like VHS or a related format, right? Like one of those, yeah. like like home, basically Analog on video. yes, yeah, on like home home recording equipment, effectively, mm -hmm. or like 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 either consumer grade or like slight or like high end consumer grade, maybe at best. Correct. Seems yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, what started getting me interested in it was um, there was a film on, um, I think I, I want to say it was on Shudder, 
um, that I believe was shot on video called, um, I, I think there's, it's confusing cause there's, there's two of them. Um, the one that I saw is the original one from 1989, uh, called the McPherson tape. Oh yes. Have I've seen, seen that. I have really that's, fucking weird. It is. It's fu- That one is fun. And, and that's, just, that's an, um, you know, kind of an outlier because most SOV stuff goes for horror because, um, but this one is like an alien experience type, type film. Huh. Uh, that, 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 that's a lot of fun though. It, but it also has like all the hallmarks too, where it's yes. like, you know, cheap production. I, I mean, basically, you know, non-existent budget. And like, you know, it's just kind of just a bunch of friends in, in, in a, a cabin fucking around. And it's just so it's fun though, because of that. But bold of them to, to posit that L McPherson, uh, got <laughs> where she was due to being an alien, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I would, I, I I would even call it more horror than not, especially as it goes on, like in part because I, I think in, in part because of the found footage shot on, you know, shot on video quality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that started getting me interested in it. And then the thing that, you know, and this was just, this was just some nice synchronicity, um, but uh, which is, I, I just published a really good article uh, by our friend and colleague, Josh Lewis of Sleezoids. Um, on Blood Knife uh, about the work of one particular um, shot on video auteur, Charles Pinion, um, yes. who has had a, a wild fucking career mm-hmm. where he, I, my understanding is he was like a visual art teacher um, either for I'm not sure if he was teaching like like high school or like college or uh, like like college freshman. I'm not it's not, not totally clear, but he. Um, he, he started out making like, I I think his, his original goal was just to document, um, the local band scene in, God, Mm -hmm. I want to say, was he in like Gainesville or something? Exactly right. Yeah. Gainesville, Florida. Yeah. So, and it was, it was a lot of like weird punk bands and Mm -hmm. kind of like new wave bands, I I guess, um, or not, not, not new wave, I guess more like, like punk and hardcore, I guess would be, would, would be more of like the oeuvre. Um, and like a bunch of them were his students and he kind of got them involved in the production of the film. And so what was originally meant to be a documentary seems to have turned into this just fucking like bizarre. I don't, I don't like, I don't even know what it, it, I haven't watched it, but it sounds, it sounds bizarre where like, there's like weird sci-fi elements and it, they just all started going, going nuts with it and filming. Mm-hmm. Like it's all just like trash everywhere. Tons mm-hmm. of fake blood. Um, all sorts of like weird, like I, I think there's a bunch of like weird, like fake TV commercials included in it too, or something. Um, and then, and then he went on. He 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 stopped being a teacher, and um, kind of f- fell in on the periphery of the kind of late '80s like New York film scene. The the no wave yes, scene. Yes, the no wave scene. Yes. Yeah. Um, and hmm. he kind of continued making more and more grody and just bizarre out there like horror um f- films. And the the way the way that Josh describes it in the article is that it, it kind of combines like horror, punk slash DIY and like like even like like porno aesthetics mm-hmm. like in a weird yeah. way like it it very much resembles like 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 an early eighties like shot on video porno, mm-hmm. um and it just bizarre but yeah. like it, what it to me that stuff is really inspiring and it's it's kind of it kind of 
you know, feels like a sh- shot across the bow that we're all walking around with fucking like 4K cameras in our pockets. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but uh, I haven't really made any movies so far. Yeah. Um, but it is something, you know, since reading that article and seeing you talking about this, and, and even a little bit before then, I've I've been really wanting to make like like a horror short um, nice. sometime in the next year. And yes. I've written I've written two scripts. Um, one of which I can do entirely myself, one of which I would need one other person, preferably an older person, well, <laughs> older than me. Um, but uh, but we shall see what 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 comes of it. But man, it's so strange, isn't it? That like, uh, you know, like 30 or 40 years ago, if you had a camcorder, you were like on your way to making movies. And mm-hmm. now we all have like incredible high quality video gear in our pockets mm-hmm. and we just we just do stupid little bullshit with it <laughs> yeah yeah no it, it is exactly exactly that thing and I, I think that's kind of why um uh, alberano kind of like limited his um survey to that specific time period like 84 to 94 is because um you know post 94 is when digital video started really mm. coming in and i think that's when um the texture of of these these movies changed to um, you, you know, you can, you know, you can make professional-looking stuff on on shoestring budgets. Uh, you know, on these like you know home home video yeah. digital cameras now. And like you said, now now we have you know basically 4K cameras in our pockets mm-hmm. every day. So it's um, and I, I I do want to mention going back to Charles Pinion, he is a fascinating case study. And and um, Alberano does uh you know touches on him a couple times in, uh, in his book. Um, because he kind of like contrasts his approach to a lot of the other more like fandom um, like mm. guys who were like legitimately just wanted to make horror movies and, and Pinion had had more on his mind but um, he still like you know still yeah. had the, the, he, the transgressive thing um, you know he, streak to him. He seems to have kind of like fallen into making horror I gather because horror seems to be a little bit more receptive to like fucked up amateurish uh aesthetics like there's not yeah. there's not nearly as much expectation of professionalism and like decor or right. i guess decorum is is the, the right way of <laughs> of putting it like in a horror film like it's you know in if you were filming like a serious drama and everything looked kind of shitty it would kind of like well you know i think a lot of people would say that it would distract from the drama um, although, you know, like, for instance, um, gosh, what did I watch earlier this year? Uh, the Killing of a... Wait, yeah, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Have you ever seen that, Oh, Chris? yeah. Yeah. And it... Cassavetti. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. And it it kind of has, like, like a, an, an almost homemade quality oh, yeah. to it at times. It's like a very, like, like low-res looking kind of... Yeah. Everything is real kind of ugly and shitty. So, mm-hmm. like, I totally think that it can work for that. But people's tolerance in general, I think, seems to be very, very picky about, like, the level mm. of professionalism in in films. Well, and that's kind of uh, part of Alberano's uh, project, I think, is, um, you know, the, the, there's a specific person who is attracted to SOV stuff and can see past that to, uh, you know, like... Uh, you can see past the amateur aesthetics. Can see past the you know like the you know dead dead eyed line deliveries and things like that. Like <laughs> yeah, and, 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 it, like, is, it is funny. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Like as but like it's it's beyond just like 
you know, yeah. oh, it's so bad, it's so good. Like you know, it's 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 there's a genuine aesthetic to these things, mm-hmm. um, either un- intentional or unintentional, and and to appreciate it on on its own level rather than just you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of doing the the red letter media type stuff. Um, where <laughs> as much as I love those guys, um, I think sometimes they you know they they do kind of the, the so bad it's good type stuff mm-hmm. and um this is this is aiming for uh, you know a bit more high-minded mm-hmm. approach and the the other thing that i think is really interesting about the kind of like amateur the let's call it pro am films I, I guess um mm. is is that um be, because you're not as worried about professionalism and in fact you know that professionalism is not within your reach right like <laughs> yeah. like it's not going to happen so i think that frees you up to do a lot more weird off-putting stuff mm-hmm. y- y- you know in, in the way of like um it makes me think about when we recorded about uh like Phantom of the Paradise and mm-hmm. De Palma does, you know, his, his De Palma stuff where he's got, you know, it's just got somebody fucking running down a hallway, holding a camera and the camera's flopping all over the place. And, yeah. um, on the one hand, when you do that with like fully professional grade stuff, it, it, it feels off somehow. Cause it's like, it's mm-hmm. like, this looks professional, but they're not acting professional. Whereas when it doesn't look professional and they're not acting professional, it gives it, I think, as you said, a verisimilitude of mm-hmm. like, well, this kind of just looks like somebody fucking around with a camera, which it is. Um, yeah. But like, yeah. it, it, it also it also allows for ex- like unquestioned experimentalism because you can't do things the right way. So you just mm-hmm. kind of have to do things however you can. Um, and you get so much stuff that would be considered like passe or like mm-hmm. over the top or like oh, I, yeah. I, um, when I watched this was one of the things that I loved about um, uh, Suitable Flesh is they do a bunch of one of my favorite things. Just fucking spin the camera. Like yeah. <laughs> there's a part where um, uh, two of the characters are just fucking going at it, having sex. And the, the camera starts to to, to rotate and it rotates all the way around, like upside down to right side up, and then keeps spinning and f- goes spinning faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And the whole the the, the shot, it, they're they're still having sex, and the shot is just fucking like spinning around and around in a circle, <laughs> and it goes on for so long. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? But it's re- it's really weird and cool. <laughs> and yeah. like, I think that in in even like a low end professional production you'd be a little nervous about doing that because you want Mm -hmm. you want it to feel professional and so you kind of have to constrain yourself a little bit like it's it's better to be underwhelmed well so the theory goes it's better to be like a little bit underwhelming but feel professional than to do weird stuff but it like to kind of feel amateurish like people people as you said i think a a lot of people are are just reticent to watch amateurish well isn't Mm -hmm. isn't i mean not not to not to jump in here but we weren't talking to you carlo we're we're having a conversation you're you're doing like the 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 podcast version like the meme with all the girls looking like uh uh, but but uh, speaking of like the the sort of like the the striving towards a uh, level of professionalism even though it's it's sort of like a little dead on screen um, isn't that also sort of shaped by like, well, if you are in a professional environment, there is somebody that is paying money <laughs> for you oh, to totally, do this. Yes. And they're like, uh, no, we don't want that. 
I mean, and, and, mm-hmm. and even more so now, right? That that's gotten to the yeah, point yeah. where where the suits are actually shooting the movie for the directors, and they're like, "Oh yeah, bring in so and so, the the new mm-hmm. indie director everyone knows about." Oh uh, yeah, give us some cachet. Yep. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the the one recommendation now this this uh, work was not um, discussed in the book because I think it was kind of fall, fell outside the purview. But I recommend we watch for a, a future episode No Resistance, which is an SOV cyberpunk film. Uh, it it rocks. It it is totally it's it's so much fun. Oh, this looks sick. Okay. I'm sorry. What is it called again? No resistance. No resistance. Yeah, and it's shot in like downtown Dallas, so it has like. You know, uh, you know, RoboCop looking like buildings and in stuff it, in the back. So and here, here's the synopsis. It, it's from 1994. Oh my god! It's got one of those mid 90s laptops that has like the hinged oh. screen in the middle. Oh, it's taking me back. All right, so it says in a near in a near future Houston, street junkie cyber criminal Deej scrapes together survival by pulling underground hacks with his custom mobile rig. But now he's gotten a hold of something huge, deadly, and valuable, and everyone wants him dead. This sounds fucking sick. <laughs> so, yeah. so let me let me just say that um, that when when I was reading, you know, back in the day when I was reading Neuromancer, this is this same thing, which basically what it looks like is a like one of those old word processors uh, more than anything mm-hmm. else. Uh, that's what I imagined, like someone like Case or Count Zero, you know, jacking yeah. into. I think. I mean, I. I think that's that's what Gibson was thinking about. Like that's yeah, yeah. that's the, and which, which again that's you know if if you want to hear Chris and I's takes on um, Gibson adaptations, you can go listen to the episodes of Sleezoids where we talked about Decoder, another kind mm-hmm. of like professional but also very amateurish production made by weirdo punks and uh, uh, Abel Ferrara's New Rose Hotel, which which one of the things that Ferrara gets and, and talks about in his interviews is is like all of the high tech cyber stuff is is bullshit. The, the, the punk is the important part. And nothing that Gibson describes is, you know, shiny lasers and cyborg stuff. It's all dirty, busted computers. Like he's he's mm-hmm. this, this is what he's talking about is dirty old shit, not, mm-hmm. you know, super cool, shiny new stuff. Yeah, <laughs> because right. usually the, the shiny new stuff is for the corpos, you know, yeah, and, exactly. And like, exactly. Like the test your ash pools of the world. Exactly. Yeah. Why would why would they have? The cool shiny new stuff. <laughs> they, they'd have like the the uh, was it third or fourth level hand me down mm-hmm. shit that's been sort of like glued back together by some wee fucking rat faced weirdo like the Finn. The Finn, yes, <laughs> yes. The Finn is such an yes. It's probably just a weird mm. little guy in a dirty shop. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what I was? Uh, I, you, this just reminded me of like I remember in my own mind who who I had sort of like cast in my own mind as the Finn. We were watching, do you remember the, I think it's like a, a 90s, uh, I want to say it's like in the 90s, Hero, the one with Gina Davis and Dustin Hoffman and Andy Garcia. Uh-huh. Well, so Dustin Hoffman, the, the whole thing is, it's a, it, I think it's, it's a rather good uh, comedy um, because Dustin Hoffman is, he's sort of like just a, He's, he's, he's just a dirtbag. Uh, like he, he, his entire apartment, he's divorced from his, uh, you know, like from his wife, uh, who is Joan Cusack. Um, and, uh, so 
there's this airline accident that happens and he manages i guess he's nearby doing something shady nearby and he sees it and he for whatever reason decides that he's going to help out uh and so they 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 find a shoe on the scene and they sort of match it it's sort of like a cinderella thing but then who ends up having the shoe is a homeless guy who's andy garcia not dustin hoffman <laughs> Who uh, uh-huh. Andy Garcia is like an ex an ex Vietnam vet like he's got like he's just me- mainstream media just gold they want <laughs> and they end up like just pumping him up and they give him a million dollars to get him back on his feet and blah blah and all that good stuff uh, and and the thing that um, this is all to just a very long way to get to the fact that Dustin Hoffman in the meantime is basically running from his own apartment his shitty little apartment he's running essentially uh, imagine if uh, Crazy Eddie's was run out of a one guy's apartment and it was all sort of like uh, under you know fell out of the back of a truck LLC. Hmm. You know, so so hmm. he's just like that's who I imagine like just a scruffy unshaven sort of Dustin Hoffman just grumbling at people. <laughs> <laughs> that's who I imagine the Finn as being. Ay ay ay. Anyway, The Hero is a great movie. It is not a sci-fi fantasy or any type of speculative movie. <laughs> Other, th- <laughs> other than the fact that, you know, people care about homeless people in the news. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been reading. Um, well, I say I have been reading. I'm literally on like the sixth page. Um, but I started reading. a bu- So I um, I watched Rome uh, a month or two ago and I fucking loved Rome. That was so good. Mm-hmm. And I've Hell yeah. I go through like history kicks where I'll read a bunch of like like, you know, uh, it I tend to read like pop history written by academics. I don't like pop history written by pop historians because they usually get too much wrong and like I don't I don't like I don't like believing wrong things. It bothers me. Like mm-hmm. I'd much rather that that something be more dry and but accurate instead of like cooler but kind of kind of fudged so so that they'll you know I'm not a big fan of like the gun germs and steel type type stuff, but I do like I do like um, you know books like uh, one that I have spoken fondly of before. I'm sure is um, uh, what the fuck is it called? Triumph of the Moon, for instance, by Ronald Hutton, um, who is a he's a historian of um, both both modern and historical paganism. Um, and like religion in um, the British Isles. Uh, and and so, but he writes both academic texts and like pop history texts. Um, and that's the kind of stuff that I like. So I was like, let me go read some Rome shit. And um, I found uh, highly recommended by a lot of people was a gentleman named, what the fuck is his name? Adrian Goldworthy, Goldworth, Goldsworthy. Um, hmm. And he wrote a bunch of history uh, books and I was about to read one of them on, I think it was on like the, I think it was on like the war with Carthage, I think. Um, no, no, I'm sorry. It was on uh, the, 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 the Punic Wars, I think. Um, but anyway, as I was, as I was looking to, to find the particular book that I was looking for from him, uh, I saw that he had written um, basically a, a bunch of like of like Roman uh, like detail obsessed like Roman military fiction 
Um, so I started reading one called, uh, I think it's called Vindalanda. And um, it is, it's basically like a, a, about a Roman legionary st- um, stationed at a fort in Britain, you know, at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's cool. The it's it's interesting because it's it's very different sort of prose that I'm used to reading. It's much more like it's much more like stripped down like like historical fiction. It's it, but but it's it, what's cool about it is that um, in a way that I often don't like. Like this is one of my beefs with Asimov, for instance, is. Asimov was a big believer in, you know, the ideas should do the talking, not the prose. The prose should be like mm. a clear pane of glass. It should be dull. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to get in the way of, of your cool ideas. And that doesn't really work for me for science fiction for the for the most part. Sometimes it can. If the ideas are really cool, most people's ideas are not that cool, um, un- <laughs> unfortunately. But um, for something like ancient Rome with an obsession with detail, it works for me anyway. It works pretty well because, like, it's strange enough. And it works better when it's just kind of like matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, we got to do this. We got to eat some lark's tongues. We have to, you know, do some we, we got to do some some sacrifices to Juno uh, because I twisted my ankle and he's in charge of twisting ankles, I guess. Uh, you know, and, and so I, I don't know. It it it's it's different from what I would usually read, but it is well written and it's it's interesting so far, you know, six pages in. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm enjoying it um, so far, and I I can't tell if it's. It seems like it's maybe going to be a blend of kind of like a. I mean, I guess it's I guess it's not a police procedural. It's more like a legionary procedural, um, <laughs> and le- like a military book. Um, and so it's uh it's it's been good so far. I have been enjoying it. Yeah. And then of course there's, there's a That's book a- called J- Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell that I've been <laughs> reading a little bit lately. Just the tiniest bit. Yes. yes. Um, How about you, yeah. Carlo? What oh, what shit, what, what bad book are you about to to, uh, to to tell us about? No, no, actually, I'm I'm reading. Uh, so so um, in a forthcoming episode, we will be talking about a, a book I tore through called Revival uh, by by a, a, a little known author. I don't know if you've guy you guys have heard of this guy, Stephen King. Have you heard of this guy? Mm. You heard of this guy, this uh, Stephen King guy. <laughs> He says he's Stephen King. He's more heard, like Stephen. Stephen King he's, 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 he's more of a Stephen Prince. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a Stephen Barron. Um, but but yeah, uh, Revival was fantastic. Like honestly, uh, possibly one of the best King like latter day King books I've read. Awesome. I, I need to check this out. It is. It is. Uh, it's one of these. It's it's a book that apparently he does like a, a a name call, like a name drop of like the great god Pan, and uh, I'm sorry, I, I said it in in like the the Latin way. Oh, yeah. the, the great the great, the, the great god Pan. By, by Pan alone, the man cannot live. Um, but but yeah, I do I do wanna I do wanna now like read the great god Pan uh, because. Uh, apparently he sort of name drops it and says like it's one of those uh, like it's it's something that he 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 read and it stayed with him it's you know it hasn't fully revealed its secrets to him or something to that effect mm-hmm. and he was like damn okay all right gotta read this <laughs> nice yeah 
Um, so, so I read that, and uh, th- again, uh, also like you, uh, how coincidental, uh, Kurt. I am also reading a certain little book uh, called uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm getting something out of it. I think. Um, uh, also, um, uh, apart from that, I'm reading. Uh, I just got it the other day. Uh, Vajra Chandrasekhar's. Um, the Saint of Bright Doors, which is quite entertaining. Uh, hmm. uh, honestly, I, it, it is fantasy, but it's also like fantasy that is sort of like contemporary, but for like a completely, I I would say like Southeast Asian flavored supercontinent. Hmm. Like a world that has a supercontinent. And then, like, I just got to a part where it's like, oh, that's why that is. Okay. It, it involves magic, apparently. Interesting. So, and, and part of, part like, it's it, this is not a spoiler. It's like from the, almost the first chapter, like, the, the main character, whose name is Fetter, um, is basically, like, a, supposedly a chosen one type mm-hmm. of uh, character who has uh, decided, nah, I'm not going to do that. And he instead, you know, makes his way to the big city, you know, uh, has like some group therapy and makes friends there and then becomes embroiled in different, you know, sort of things happening there. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you posted. But so far, it's very entertaining. I, I, I definitely <laughs> like the style. Um, to, to your earlier point where I, I even winced, uh, you, no one could see me because I was uh. on a podcast. But uh, when when you were uh, quoting the the Isaac Asimov, you know, clears. Yeah, I think that the way I heard it was that the, he shows, oh, you know, stained glass windows. You know, it's beautiful, but you know, light comes through and it's colored. You know, uh, yes. you want your prose to be you know, a clear pane of glass or something to that effect. Every, like, yeah, who who likes colored light? What stupid <laughs> bullshit is that? Look, we just want things monochromatic here. Like, uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it, but also it's like such, it, it's it's like deciding to write, like type out an entire book, but just tying one hand behind your back. Yes, exactly. It's just like, why, why would you do that to yourself? Just adopt a style. Yeah. Come on, you, you fucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> figure it out <laughs> uh you know you, you could also be like a what is it a even vote uh but but for style right you, 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 <laughs> every 800 words you you switch it up now now you're talking in a noir yeah. <laughs> see uh. that's the type of style you're gonna do see it it is noir vember <laughs> there you go <laughs> i mean it, it was so hot that, mm. you know people wanted to walk on the shady side uh, anyway, yeah. So, um, so there's that, and then uh, also, and I think uh, Kurt, you you started. Uh, I don't know how far along you are, but uh, I started a and and finished watching Scavengers Reign. I've only watched the first episode. Thus okay, far P- push push through because I, I I only encourage you in that way, Kurt, because I have the the bad habit of like oh i watched an episode i started it and then that's it oh no <laughs> i sort I of forget about it <laughs> i'm not gonna do that with this because this is fucking incredible it is it's it's so, sick it's it's really it, really cool it is 
it's like Mo- Mobius inspired, it is right? Very so. I, I think there's a few things. I think Mobius is probably the biggest v- immediate visual inspiration. It also reminds me of um, that kind of like late two thousands kind of like crunchy not not quite indie but like straddling the line between indie and not indie stuff like i'm still thinking of like uh what's what's the one with the canceled author uh mul- oh prophet no uh multiple warheads is what oh, i think the, it's same guy. the same, that's yeah, the same, same guy. guy yeah, yeah. Yep. But, but that that kind of art style it's got it's got a lot of like f- like french sci-fi comics i i, I think it's it's oh, got yeah. a lot of um uh, what's that one? Um, the uh, Luc Besson did a not not as particularly good adaptation. Oh, the, of it. Yeah, yeah, I know which one. You yeah, mean. Like, uh, like it, the 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 French heavy metal comic guys. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's got a lot of that. I think it has it has a bit of like late eighties, early nineties, like sci fi anime. Like it reminds the it reminds me of like memories at times too, or well, like yeah, Angel's I, Egg. I, I think I think we uh, we were talking a little bit about this offline. And I think what <laughs> you say offline, but it's really just just another well place another online. version of online. Yes, <laughs> yes, true. Off this line, how about yes, that? off this line on on, on um, another line though. I, I will I will also add that the um the the creature design and all that stuff reminds me a lot of like the those Wayne Barlow guide to extraterrestrial life or you know or whatever they're called exactly. Uh, where where he he designed like these entire ecosystems, you know mm-hmm. that type of thing, but but also um, what I was going to say is that uh, the the memories um, aspect of it is the underlying mystery of being somewhere that is in it's on its surface inscrutable. Yeah, there are some patterns that you can observe. Um, but it is, you're not entirely sure what it's, if, if what the meaning you're deriving from it is correct. And that is something that the, the characters grapple with as well. Um, and I, I, I will also say that there are some aspects of, uh, it feels very much like in tune with something like Annihilation. Where like an area, the, the planet feels like an area X type of place. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cool. I definitely. It's really good. Out. I would go so far as to say, um, I think it is far and away the best American sci-fi animation I've ever seen. Having and I am fairly happy to say that on the strength of one episode, I I don't even wow. know what I would compare it to. To be perfectly honest, like mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe like it, I, you know the other thing I think it's got a little bit of Gendy in it um, is uh, at, at times a lot of it a lot of the pacing feels very Samurai Jack. Um, mm, it's got okay. those those that like his his style feels influential upon the way that they structure some of the storytelling and the shots. Um, but and, and I and I could be wrong, but um, I I I think. He, He's always kind of got like a little bit of like a puckishness, and this is this is much mm. more like sci-fi. It's just I don't to, to me, this is what I want. It's it, I watched it, and within like a minute, I was like, this is what I want sci-fi to be. This is mm-hmm. this is this is it. None of this like no, you know, it's it's there's no hand holding, but it is also perfectly comprehensible 
by and large what's going on minute to minute and why people are doing things like it's not it's not it's not inscrutable it's just so good it's just uh, shockingly so and it it blends it's got like horror aspects to it like the, the first episode has like some body horror to it it's it's got just all it's just all all over the place in a good way um and it also it doesn't waste time trying to be it, it's it's interesting because there's there's elements of it where i i can feel or i suspect that a part of it will be not not engineering fiction, but some of the elements of engineering fiction sort of like seems to kind of be an aspect of it, but they're not precious about it, or at least Mm -hmm. they haven't been so far. So yeah, I I watched it and I was like, fuck shit. Like this is amazing. So let's, let's, let's put a pin in that because I absolutely want to uh, revisit this because I do want to talk about this for an, for at least one entire episode. Um, so, so cool. I do want to check this out. Also, I will point out that um, uh, this is uh, something that was done uh, with uh, is it Titmouse Productions yes. or whatever. Yes. Um, oh, so, yeah. so, Chris, you remember in the Love, Death, and Robots season three, the Kill Team mm-hmm. Kill uh, episode. That was done by them as well. Uh, I would argue mm. that the line work here and the way that they go about it is sort of like it's in between. It's like the next step uh, after that, right? That kill team kill. So okay. if you'll if you'll remember, the kill team kill still still had a little bit of the Venture Brothers uh, style to yeah. it. This yeah. sort of, I, I think that the character designs are really. Uh, just very clean lines yeah but every character looks distinct to me i'm sorry uh it is it is really cool that's awesome yeah definitely definitely checking the other thing that it reminds me of a little bit is um stuff like uh what the fuck is it called um like nova seed or like empress of night yes um yeah, of Darkness, uh, gorgon yes. pictures yeah it it it, um, and, yeah. and, and that's more that's more sometimes in the animation because it's got it's got that interesting fluidity to it where it's kind of like a slightly herky-jerky fluidity um where like it, mm-hmm. it it looks like animation it doesn't look like computers you know um mm. but uh at, there's also the element of like th- there's always some weird little thing moving around you know, in the background, there's always some it's the, just the environment, strangeness. The environment. Yeah, yeah, just the, just the the willingness to the willingness to show you a weird little thing and have it do its own weird little thing stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and not worry about like was mm-hmm. this important to the to the plot? We better have the scientist character be like, oh, well, that's it, a gugnar. It 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 feeds upon the klebels. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it like, absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely has that that same quality that a lot of those Miyazaki films have. That it just sort of lingers on what here is an alien landscape, but would be you know for that planet would be the planet yeah. Vesta would be the natural world, right? It mm-hmm. just sort of let, like mm-hmm. follows like these weird little blimp creatures or, you know, like the, you know, it, it's that type of thing where um, you, you'd always uh, chuckle to yourself in like some corner of uh, a Star Wars like the original trilogy where when they're walking up to Jabba's palace and there's like a little thing going yang, yang, and you see like a toad right. just grab it in the corner. <laughs> and you're like that type of thing. You know, it just feels yeah. great. 
it feels so great. That little frog thing's name, I believe, is Bubo, oh. um, and um, he's actually he's actually uh, intelligent um, and sentient, and the only I believe he is actually like an imperial spy, um, <laughs> and the only person who is aware of this, I believe, is uh, Salacious Crumb. Um, I, I believe is 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 aware of him. Let me let me double check this. I'm I'm going on, uh, I'm going on quite oh, yeah, old. Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 So his his full name is Bubo Ikular, also commonly known as Bubo. Uh, it was a frog dog in uh, Java. Dissilijik uh, Tior. Did, did you know that that's that's Java's full name? Uh, full name is Java Dissilijik Tior. Um, I, I knew the Dissilijik. Yes. I mean, he's they're, technically, they're... he's a spy and an assassin, and he's actually Jabba's. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the, I think it's actually Jabba. I apologize, uh, Mister Jabba. Um, he is uh, actually um, his his bodyguard, uh, so he is a capable combatant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I will say that it is hilarious to me that uh, yeah, th- there's an entire page about this. Um, oh yes, I was right. I was right. Um, Imperial engineers uh, hit a small panel under Bubo's skin, which allowed Reyes. That's the guy with the three eyes, I believe. Or no, uh, he's got like the eye stalks to track shipments of the components for the bomb he planned to use to kill Jabba. So yes, so there we go. <laughs> Bubo. I mean, you know, <sighs> every everyone had a side in, in that. Huh? <laughs> Look, Carlo, it's a world, it's a complicated world out there. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> Let's not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in any case, uh, I, I do love that uh, you, we get these little moments where it sort of just lingers on a background thing or like the the, the mini, a, a very abbreviated life cycle of something happening. And you're like, what the fuck? Wh- yeah. What just happened? Well, the the other thing to, to to me, the big thing is that it feels like a personal and somewhat idiosyncratic vision, which is what I want. It's playing to, you know, it's like it 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 feels like when people are really discovering a medium, you know, and nobody mm-hmm. has made the rules yet for for what you can and can't do, and so they just go after their vision, and they have a fully fleshed out, concrete vision, and they want to execute on it. And their vision has nothing to do with conforming to your to to the audience's expectations for something, right? Like mm-hmm. so often, and this is su- such a problem with sci-fi in particular, mm-hmm. because I think people have a very particular idea of what sci-fi means. Often, you know, spaceships, lasers, and it does mean all those things, but 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 oftentimes, you know, that that stuff just gets in the way. And you wind up with something that might be fun and and might be clever, but even stuff that really works can sometimes feel like a little bit too rote. Like Mm -hmm. it it feels, and and this feels so intensely just specific. You could just, you can tell somebody had an idea and here's the idea, you know? So, so like, for instance, just, just little, little touches, like um, they have uh, a motorcycle where the front and the back wheel are basically big spheres, mm-hmm. and so it can, it, it can turn like a tank because the each of the wheels can turn in any direction independently, and and it just it's just it's visually interesting, it's conceptually interesting. It's not a big thing; nobody explains it. You just you see it, and you're like, oh, cool, you know, that's weird, that's yep. different. So well, and, and you can also do like you can 
I think actually we do get like an Akira slide. <laughs> I believe so. I, I believe uh, but but it get. also like it, it also harkens like you look at it and you go like the part of my brain that has a little memory of Tron goes, oh, that's like the Tron. Yes. Mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although technically those could only turn at right angles. At, no, at, least well, when, yeah. at least when they're on the game grid. Well, now now that they have now that they you know they they might be working with more than you know just eight bits. Uh, maybe they can turn more. You know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not exactly a, a curve, but you know just like enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, enough right angles, <laughs> small ones. And if you looked looked at it from far enough away, it looks like a curve. No. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, let, we're we're probably going to come back and uh talk about scavengers reign a bit more in depth mm -hmm. uh Hell yeah. can i can yeah. i talk for a minute about a very bizarre film that i watched recently go for <laughs> it called <laughs> beyond the door three uh or as it was known um in most of the rest of the world evil train um so so this is this is this was like my last or one of my last horror films of the Halloween season. Um, and uh, Beyond the Door 3 um, has no relationship to Beyond the Door 1 and 2. It is, uh, all, apart from they are all Italian horror films. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And um, it is about uh, a group of American students um, who are traveling to Yugoslavia on like a like cultural trip and i think they're in high school um and the first half of the movie is what i can only describe as a sort of um midsummer meets cannibal holocaust but set in eastern europe um in, instead of the jungle wow. <clears throat> as nice. they arrive at like at in, in yugoslavia and meet up with their local guide who is a weird fucking dude and takes them to this bizarre peasant village out in the middle of nowhere with all these like these like barely vocal peasants who are all just kind of sitting around and like you know like lurking in the shadows watching these these you know clean cut fresh faced american youths um and they just immediately start trying to murder them in the most gruesome ways possible and 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 then about halfway through the film the the titular evil train arrives uh and the 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 the, the movie goes may i say off the rails Ew. um and uh it is it is such a bizarre film because for me describing this it probably sounds like a very silly film um but mm. uh in 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 our Black Roses episode, we talked about that film as being mean spirited. This is one of the meanest spirited, nastiest, just most evil films I have ever seen. It's first of all, the overall vibe is just so unpleasant. Like the entire first half of the film <laughs> is just uh, just icky, and in a way I can't quite explain. It's just ominous and threatening and horrible feeling. Um, and then when people do start dying, it is the worst shit you have ever seen and the gore effects are so good <laughs> and so like often realistic looking and just go on and on and this fucking train just kills the shit out of people like at one point <laughs> it it pulls one of the train work so it's 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 like a soviet train or i guess yeah i guess it, it would be a soviet train um and uh, it's it is an actual train that becomes possessed by Satan, 
Um, and at one point, like it sucks the engineer in like into the firebox and like there's flames shooting around him and he's being like roasted alive. And then it like runs over the conductor and it like rips his head off and his head's like rolling under the cattle catcher. And uh, it's just it's just a gross, gory, disgusting um, film. And I had to stop multiple times, not so much just because of the gore, but, be, but because like, it was just an unpleasant film, but I have to say, mm. I, I loved it. And it is in all this stuff I'm describing is interspersed with these scenes of like the Soviet, like train, like, I guess like the department of trains that keeps cutting to their like computerized control room and, the, and then being like, we have to stop the Satan train. It's out of control. <laughs> and they keep like sending track workers to try to stop the Satan train and like, let's rip up the tracks. And it jumps off the tracks and like flies through the air and lands on the other side. <laughs> it's, so, so, it's so fucking crazy. Kurt, you know, honestly, I am all about like, basically it's like a Chernobyl style documentary. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah like <laughs> dramatized documentary, but about the Satan train and yes. the a locomotive, like, by the way, a locomotive. The, the, too, yeah, the, the Ministry of Trains is like trying to stop, you know, engine six six six. You know, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it's just a. It's just bizarre. It's such a weird. So, a weird, so I think film. I think we may have talked about this, but not on air. Uh, you just reminded me of uh, the the uh, apart from Scavengers Rain, the film that I watched probably I want to say a little bit past the midpoint in October, and I still think about it is when evil lurks. On oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On mm. Shutter. Uh, Argentinian like horror my god what a movie uh, I'm not entirely sure I, I I will say that um the 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 setup is essentially that there's um the th- these two brothers uh basically work on a ranch out in like the base it feels like it's uh, like the the last vestiges of of uh humanity in argentina uh, you know like down south where there's nobody um and so they they receive word that there's uh, a guy on the pro like just on the edge of the property of the ranch uh that they they're in charge of who has become infected um mm. the and so supposedly this is he's been infected with a demon and so like he's just like imagine like uh kurt imagine like uh the, what is it the lord of what is the, the the big fat uh disease guy like oh, uh, uh the yeah, yeah yeah the like the plague lord guy yeah yeah, yeah. The, i forget yeah. his name imagine a human body just distended to those like maybe not gigantic proportions but just just huge and bloated and just like oozing that's what the guy looks like and they realize that he's been sort of like this is what a de- demonic possession looks great like. unclean one yes there we go great unclean one uh he he definitely looks unclean <laughs> uh, he definitely <laughs> does uh and uh so so uh, Part of the the dread that the movie uh, provides is that you you as a viewer are sort of in the dark. You're just sort of seeing mm. this unfold. They don't give you like any rules about it until like about 
almost about halfway through the movie you get like oh there's these seven rules to sort of like know about and avoid doing like do's and don'ts about the demon possessed you know about so, about dating my my teenage demon possessed <laughs> daughter look look uh you know demon possessed <laughs> singles in your area now uh stay away um and so so as you can imagine, like this just basically you get the brothers and everyone involved sort of like bouncing from place to place one thing after another, just like they, they can never sort of catch up. And it's just so it's so tense that by like when you realize, OK, this is this is it. This is going to be like we're heading into the last stretch of the movie, the big the big showdown or whatever. And I was like, I was filled with dread. I was like, well, I haven't, I haven't felt this bad since I watched hereditary or something. Hmm. <laughs> Excellent. Definitely. I, I want to watch me. it, but I have also been kind of trying to charge my batteries to watch it. If that makes yeah, sense. I, I, yeah, no, I, I, I understand yeah. you, Kurt, for as, as someone who has watched something like grave of the fireflies once, in his yeah. entire lifetime. And I don't know that I have the strength mm -hmm. to watch it a second time. Yeah. Uh, I understand yeah. this. It, um, it, that's how I am. At, you ever see Dear no, Zachary? I have not. Oh, Ooh, I, yeah, I know that one. Oh. I read the Wikipedia yeah, synopsis and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a one and done. Uh, can I, uh, I, I've been watching something as well. Uh, over the last couple of days, I've been watching the, the old Fleischer Ooh, Superman nice. uh, cartoons. Um, and it, it's really fun. I, I remember I had a VHS when I was a kid of like a couple of the early ones and they're just as fun. I, so there's a, there's a demarcation. So about like halfway through the production run, uh, either Paramount fired or, or, uh, the Fleischer brothers left. Um, so it became Famous Studios. It, it was originally Fleischer Studios, and then it became Famous Studios. And around that time is when they started doing, like, straight up just, like, you know, w, uh, World War II propaganda mm -hmm. cartoons. And the the quality, like, severely declines, uh, you know, in, in addition to, like, horrendous <laughs> racism and, and, and things of, of, of that nature. Uh, but, like, the first half where it's just, it's just Superman uh, battling, like pure cool like sci-fi ideas like the first one is he's like battling this laser beam and he's like punching it and fighting it and uh you know there's flying robots and, and then there's like um one a later one that is still pretty cool as he's you know battling a volcano I, I i like uh i like these this depiction of superman because he's not quite like the god that right, we know right. of him now he's he's still kind of like you know the the new deal kind of guy where he's just kind of like just a he's he's and Notably, he's only fighting for truth and oh. justice. No American way. Yes. No American way yet. Um, but he like he's, he's a multilateral you know, Superman. He, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but he, um, you know, he he's he's able. He gets beat up. He like he's not able to just pick everything with his pinky. Like it, it's just it adds so much more weight <laughs> and, and drama to him actually, like, you know, overcoming. I, I'm imagining like one of one of the hoodlums, like you know when they run out of ammo and they throw their pistol at him, but like it hits him and he goes, ow, Jesus. It didn't wound me, but that still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I have nerves. Uh, and the shorts. <laughs> uh, 
uh, the, the shorts still have like a, they have a good depiction of Lois Lane too because there's one where they're like uh, on this train that's like got a lot of uh, gold that they're trying to deposit somewhere and um, she's like in, in the, the engine and like these guys are trying to rob it and she just like picks up a Tommy oh, hell yeah. that's fucking sick. Like, it rocks <clears throat> they're really really fun and I guess technically they're in the public domain now so oh, if, if you they're probably all on YouTube so you can check them out but um, the, the Warner Brothers recently did a new scan of them um, there's been some there was some contention at least a little bit about the scan that they might have cleaned it up too much um, but I think they look fine I I think they they look great and they're they're a, a real big blast uh, but the, like I said the the later propaganda ones are not as fun <laughs> I mean they they are they they for are many many reasons so, <laughs> I mean it, yeah that's if, true if you have but your your Fuhrer's face is so much fun. If you've ever seen that one where Donald Duck kind of just oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Over, yeah. over and over, I've seen um, that one. You know, speaking of 1940s stuff, or at least pseudo 1940s stuff, um, may I recommend, uh, especially if you have kids, um, this is this was a delight. There is a short that recently came out on on YouTube. I think it was the product of a Kickstarter called "The Brave Locomotive," um, and it's it's only about oh. nine or ten minutes long. Um, and it is it is about like you know a little old fashioned steam engine that is you know being replaced by like the big huge cool steam you know like like aerodynamic super chief steam engine, um, and uh, and it's kind of like a little engine that that could thing, but it's told in that very kind of like it's that that very like upbeat 1940s like kind of disney of the time look and like everything is, is like a singing mm-hmm. is like a song and like like the story is told with lyrics like here comes the train that everybody likes he's going down the track you know, <laughs> and so on and so forth um but it was it it was a delight and like i said it's it's short i thought it was great um just a cute little thing um by the way uh if i may drop a tidbit about beyond the door 3 which I've been reading up on um, very briefly. Uh, so it was directed by a gentleman named Jeff Quitney. Um, and so he was brought in to direct. Uh, and when he got the film, um, he asked James Cameron for advice. As Cameron had directed Piranha 2, The Spawning in 1982, Cameron advised him not <laughs> to do the film, <laughs> but Quitney had no other offers. So, so, he t- so he did it anyway. They filmed it. Uh, in Serbia, <laughs> Dur- during d- during oh. the civil war, it, it's it's Serbia, Ugh. um, and they were able to just rent a whole locomotive from the Yugoslav government, um, and uh, so here's a quote about that from from director uh, Jeff Quitney. Um, so it was it was a real steam engine on an active railway line, <laughs> and he said we had a steam train that was at our disposal that, that we rented from the Yugoslavian government that we could do whatever we wanted with. We 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 had a blast. The problem was that you'd have a scene where, where the real train was coming down the tracks, but then I'd need to back it up to do another take. But it would take an hour because to back up a train and to get it going again would would take about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I was I, I I was wondering about that because like they're doing all these like ho- these like horrible special effects shots and like climbing all over like what appears to be a, just an actual fucking steam train just going down tracks in the country and apparently that's why it, it apparently it apparently was. Um, <laughs> here's his uh, here's here's Quitney's um, quote about uh, the the um, the super gory effects. He said the effects of that movie and the train model are just atrocious. 
<laughs> I didn't think so. I, th- I thought the, the effects were extremely uh, believable. There's one in particular where um, one of the students is talking to one of the other students and she just kind of like, like suddenly like bl- blood kind of starts to trickle down from her scalp and she kind of like starts picking at her head a little bit and then just grabs it and like rips like rips her head open down the middle and like all of her brains and and like bones and stuff start coming out and I, like it looks oh, it, it looks like very real <laughs> it looks really <laughs> fucking horrifying uh and it, it's and it's not it's not shot it's shot in this very off-putting like matter of fact w- w- way that i found deeply disturbing so it, I, I mean i don't disagree that it was atrocious but i i, I may mean atrocious in a different way <laughs> more like atrancious hey oh hey <laughs> oh the other wow. thing that i've been working on is um, in fact, including while we've been talking, is um, uploading uh, issue fifteen of Blood Knife, uh, our third annual cyberpunk issue, which was delayed for a couple months for for um, I will say unforeseen circumstances, but also some frankly foreseen ones that I just underestimated. Which is mostly that um, the fall always gets uh, pretty busy when, when for for me now when when school comes back. Um, but uh, it's it's grown it's grown in the editing to to where we have. Uh, we had one one author drop out, and we picked up like two extra ones, um, including the return nice. of uh, Colin Broadmore, who has been with us from the beginning. He who is um, our yeah. our contributing editor in charge of cyberculture, um, and so he had a wonderful a wonderful essay. We've got we've got an essay on um, Strange Days and Apple Vision Pro, and kind of the way that. Uh, digital archiving um, affects memory and relationships. Mm. We've got uh, we've got a piece oh, on wow. um, chatbots and romance. Uh, I've got a review of mm. Corey Doctorow's um, new nonfiction book, The Internet Con. Uh, we just got a, a, a whole a whole lineup of what I think are pretty cool articles. Um, so by the time that this uh, episode is out, it will it it, it it will be up. So you should go check that out at uh, bloodknife.com. Hell yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, now when, so let me, let me get this straight, Kurt, uh, as I understand it, when you edit something, generally you, you trim things down, but ah, yeah, well, well that, you know, um, a common misconception, um, oh, oh. I would, I, I would call that a skill issue personally. Oh, no, okay. um, you, you know, <laughs> you, you know, things usually do get shorter when I edit them. But what what grew is that the editing took so long that I got like two extra pitches that I liked, and so I was like, "Yes, I'll just buy these two and put them in the there, there you go. <laughs> like, because, there you go. <laughs> because frankly, I still have two more articles to edit, and so what the fuck? Um, <laughs> so like like I just bought like basically a four thousand word piece like last week. <laughs> there you go. That is not being edited, so um, I'm very excited for that to be out. Hell yeah, man! Well, I'm excited to read it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so, uh, I guess we should probably wrap it up, uh, you know, get, get a, get a plate to go, uh, be thankful for that as well. All those Indeed. turkey sandwiches. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to, uh, pass out on the couch now in my there you go. You know, food coma. You, um, you, you, you got stuffed <laughs> just like the turkey buddy. Uh, mm-hmm. If if I may be um, serious for a moment, though, um, I, I would really like to um, encourage our listeners that to um, if you are able, 
uh, in any capacity, um, I would strongly encourage you to donate um, to one of the various operating um, Palestine aid or, mm-hmm. or organizations. Um, the situation, as I'm sure you are well aware, is absolutely atrocious. Um, the ones that I know of that seem to be effectively able to operate right now are um, Medical Aid for Palestinians, um, which is a UK-based charity, uh, and the Palestine Red Crescent Society. I believe you can also donate to, I think, through the Red Cross. I think, um, I think also the Doctors Without Borders uh, Doctors is Without able Borders, to funnel, yes. funnel through the, their own organization. Because that I think that that's the thing. Um, I, I have not really... Uh, personally done anything donations wise because for a long time there was just like even Palestinians would tell you like no don't don't send it's us hard. money yeah it's difficult well, th- yeah, yeah they they just don't get it you know and and with the sanctions that are now in place and all that good stuff it's it's just like I don't even like that was part of the the problem that I w- I kept on running up against you mm-hmm. want to do something right. You, you want to feel like you're doing something to help. But yes, absolutely. Doctors Without Borders, uh, you said uh, the Red Crescent Society. And what was the first one? Medi- Me- Medical Aid for Palestinians. Um, Medical Aid. British and- charity. And they, they do appear to be able to get um, essential healthcare supplies and other supplies in to some degree uh, right now. And if not, then I am sure there will be a need for a long, long time. Um, so I, I'm sure that, you know, it's not going to go to waste. But, yeah. you know, if you can, um, please, please, yes. please do what you can. Also, also, Absolutely. also, uh, especially for our U.S. listeners, I, I, and, and I'm supposing maybe even our Canadian listeners, I don't know. Um, pressure your, your representatives because, like, I, I don't... I, at least make their lives difficult because like they seem to be uh, allergic to saying the word ceasefire fuck that we should have a ceasefire uh, i don't give a shit um you know i i don't i don't see i i can sit back and and feel comfortable because i don't have to do the politics for that i can only tell them to do it because they work for us that's the idea at least mm-hmm. um so yep. so like I've, I've heard all sorts of interesting uh, variations. Um, I believe there and I wish I had it. I think I I closed out the tab, sadly, and it's now lost. Um, but there is there are a couple of forms, uh, basically form letters that you can just sort of like pre-populate uh, with your zip code uh, that just email your 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 representatives uh, in the U.S. Uh, automatically. Uh, and mm-hmm. I've sort of like basically been like, it doesn't cost me anything to do that every day. So I will do it every day. <laughs> Make myself a nuisance at the very least. Indeed. Cosign. Uh, well, anyway, yeah, everyone out there. Yes, please, please. We, we have not really talked much about this issue. It is something that is heavy. Uh, it's weighed heavily on me as well. Uh, not obviously I cannot even imagine how heavily it must weigh upon, you know, some of the, uh, Palestinians in the diaspora that, that have family in the area. So, uh, yeah, Uh, this is a time to sort of have some solidarity. Um, so yeah, like do what you can. Uh, um, you know, I, 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 that's my motto. I do as whatever I can. It's, I often don't feel like it's enough. But uh, but yeah, anything else, gents? No, 
I have nothing. Okay. Nope. All right. And so, uh, as as uh, to, as fo- following your your own um, philosophy, uh, Kurt, we 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 entered this uh, podcast uh, with no thoughts, and we leave it with no thoughts as well. Uh, everyone out there, thanks for listening. Uh, and again, we'll catch you next time here on Podside. <laughs>